Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Health Tech Beat podcast. The mission of our podcast is to show the real-life challenges of implementing technology in healthcare. And the podcast is sponsored by Demigas, a company that develops complex IT solutions for startups and companies. You can check more on demigas.com. My name is Ivan Dunsky, and I'm joined uh, by an honorary guest, Vanessa Sanderuzzi, whose leadership and clinical experience ranges from working in a level one trauma center, acute psychiatry, inpatient rehabilitation facility, home health, outpatient therapy, skilled nursing facilities, ambulatory care, physician practices, and surgical hospital. She was actively involved in the development of the customized EMR built within her areas of expertise over 15 years ago and has successfully oversaw services that generated 200 million of, of revenue within a complex integrated healthcare system. Vanessa is a new resident of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, where she opened her professional coaching practice, Ziblis Mapper. And as a professional coach, Vanessa partners with executives, business owners, and professionals to achieve career, leadership, and uh, business goals. Vanessa, thank you for being here. How thank are you, you today? Ivan. I'm doing wonderful, wonderful. It's unusually warm here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and we're getting closer to Christmas. And I'm expecting we would have a lot of snow. We did have a lot of snow last year, but today it's not like that. Yeah, maybe by Christmas. Yeah, maybe. Okay, could you please give a brief background of who you are, and uh, what is your main focus in your work at the moment? Yeah, gosh, who am I? I am I have an insatiable curiosity. My background is a clinician as an occupational therapist, and then I pursued a dual master's degree in business administration and health services administration because I felt like there were opportunities to integrate how we do things in healthcare and have more of a business focus and certainly wanted to look at how I use my clinical mind of how we can improve what we do to meet the needs of patient care. I worked as a healthcare executive for close to 20 plus years and worked in healthcare leadership along the continuum care, as you've mentioned, Ivan. And then in the middle of a pandemic, we decided to move to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania from Ohio. And with that move, I decided to just open up my professional coaching business, where I've been formally trained through Coach University and have been working with executives, business owners, as well as professionals when they're focusing on their careers, leadership development, and or development of their businesses. Thank you. You worked for many years at one of the U.S. nation's largest hospital system as an administrative director. Could you please tell us what is your experience working with technology in a big healthcare provider? Yeah, I worked at the time where we were still using paper charts and mm -hmm. working with an organization to transition from paper charts to electronic medical record is definitely a big process to go through. And I was one out of many experts who were involved in a very large project. And we first focused on the clinical end and it was a custom build. So with that, we needed to work with individuals from the IT realm who had the expertise in building the product. 
And how do you take something from a vision perspective and make it tangible and then connect the dots for clinicians who have a hard time envisioning how that is going to work for them and keep them efficient and effective and providing care. Expertise was needed in terms of regulations, thinking about how the clinical design needed to be considered when you're building your template. Are you addressing all the standards that we have to follow, uh, reimbursement regulations that we have to follow, and is that built into the MR? And then on top of that, what we do, how that connects with other parts of an organization when it comes to the care that we provide um, for the patients. So it was definitely a lot of bottom-up versus top-down approach. And Mm -hmm. I think that maybe if you take an out-of-box approach, it can feel like a top-down approach from most clinicians. Mm -hmm. And I felt like we did a really good job of engaging our clinicians and being part of the process from frontline managers to staff to physicians, as well as anyone from the administrative end. So I think the organization did an excellent job of how they implemented the EMR. It was painful, but I think the approach was very thought out and definitely took in consideration of key stakeholders with the new organization. It's interesting that paper charts are still in place in, in some organizations. They are. I've had some colleagues who work nationally and for organizations when I was involved in developing a, a national certification program for managers and rehab services and getting feedback from some colleagues who said, well, we still use paper charts. And I was taken back I'm like, really? And But I was blessed to be part of a large integrative healthcare system where they had the financial means and resources, not just financially, but just people to make things happen. There's a lot of organizations that haven't implemented the technology that exists because of either costs or they just don't have the personnel resources to help make that happen and be effective. Why did, did this hospital system chose to go um, with the custom development route rather than of the shelf solution? I, I think it's the nature of the culture mm-hmm. and of, of the organization. Of the organization where there's that value of the uniqueness of what we're able to provide to our patients and what we mm-hmm. do. And being a level one trauma center within that region, I mean, there's a level of creativity that's needed in order to take care of the type of individuals that we took care of. And mm-hmm. I think it's just the the leadership and, and really wanting to meet the needs of the physicians as well as the clinicians who provide the care to the patients versus believing, no offense to any IT organization out there, believing that someone who may not necessarily have worked in healthcare really know what needs to be done to build an EMR for the organization at the time. So as I see it, the advantage is that organization was confident that with the custom solution, they can provide better care to specific segments of patients, right? 
Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we've had individuals who were involved in the project that had over 10 plus, 15 plus years of his, um, experience as clinicians. And mm -hmm. outside of just working with patients, they knew the regulatory aspects that needed to be built, what it needs to be built from a standards perspective with all the different uh, accrediting bodies that each area needed to make sure we're addressing. And so it just made more sense because one entity, especially back at that time, because there were not a lot of EMRs out there working mm -hmm. within large complex healthcare systems, maybe small electronic medical records for captured markets, but nothing to this extent that I think mm -hmm. that was pretty wise to really engage the large masses of stakeholders that would be impacted by the system. How long did it take to build the system? Wow, that's a good question. I would think it took a few years in terms of the strategy and mm -hmm. thinking it through and identifying who would be engaged in that process, partnering with the organization that would be helping with the EMR. And I would say that probably took at least two or three years, if I recall. And mm -hmm. then the build aspect could take about Gosh, I'm trying to think when I started at the organization and when we launched, I would say it, it probably took a, a, a couple years and then launch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So about five years in total? Possibly. Yeah. I would say where it was on paper from a strategy perspective and mm -hmm. the processing of the next steps and who needs to be part of it started before I actually started with the organization. And I just happened to be blessed to be there at the time to be involved in the custom build for my areas of responsibility. Do you think that it did pay off? Oh, yeah. I, I think it did. I think it did. It's You don't know what you don't know. And mm -hmm. just like communication between two human beings, you think you're talking about the same thing. And I'm sure you've been in that situation. You've been in a meeting and you say one word and you have this vision of what that word means. And then that other person may have a vision of what that word means. And then you walk away and you realize you, you guys were not on the same page. <laughs> well, can you imagine when it comes to building technology and we're trying to explain things as clinicians or individuals are, are experienced from the finance end and trying to say, this is how it needs to be. And this is how the flow needs to be in order for me to be effective in meeting the needs of our patients, as well as meeting everything else we know that we need to address. And then connecting those dots to people who are building the technology that may not have that healthcare background or experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, was it the development team within the organization or it was an outside yeah, good question. It was a combination. And uh -huh. with that, you may have individuals who didn't have that expertise in being a expert in, in terms of the build. And so I think it was a learning process. There were clinicians that jumped on board to be on that side of the build and then to learn how to build. Like nowadays, like I use with my coaching practice, I work with a product that I can build my assessments, my tools, my intake process, and it doesn't seem like a big deal on how to do that. Just because the programming is more advanced, it's more user-friendly. Back then, to envision 
what that's going to look like and feel confident at the end of the day, is it going to work for you? I think it was pretty scary for a lot of clinicians. It was mm -hmm. exciting and or scary. You didn't know what you didn't know until you really got to the end of that. Like sort of mm -hmm. like climbing if you've ever climbed a mountain. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. did. Yeah, you did. And, and yeah. the, the, your first time you climbed a mountain, you can kind of imagine what to experience and you think you try to prepare yourself for it, but you never know until you get to certain levels. And then when you get to higher elevations, it's like, oh, I'm having a hard time breathing or I need to loosen the load or you do things differently. You don't know. You can prepare yourself mentally and you could talk to as many people as you want when it comes to, well, how do I do this and be successful? But you won't know until you're actually in the middle of it and you start that journey. And I think that was the, what we experienced as well. As well. Yeah, I see. And now, so th there are so many EMR products on the market. Do you think that nowadays that it's worth to build a custom solution for a healthcare organization or it is better to use the existing ones? Yeah, probably not as much now. Building out of the box I mm -hmm. think the IT organizations have gotten more sophisticated as well mm -hmm. as have different individuals on their team to make sure they have what they need to have more of an out-of-box product with the capabilities of it being hybrid where there may need to be some customization because maybe practices are different in different parts of the nation. That might need to be something to take in consideration or the organizational structure is different than other organizations. So workflow may be slightly different because of just whatever it is nationally to even probably right now, the biggest challenge I would think is insurance companies. How do you make sure mm -hmm. you keep up with the policies that are changed, that you're updating your systems on that end and um, addressing what you need to address on the clinical end to make sure you get reimbursed? So I think there needs to be a little bit of a hybrid depending on where that product is being used within the nation or even just outside of where I live in the United States. It Obviously, it's different in different parts of the world. Yeah, and also I speak with, with uh, many clinicians and healthcare executives and uh, many state that the data is a big thing right now and that is crucial to gather different types of data, mm -hmm. clinician data, claims data, to see it in one place, to make decisions on the clinical side, on the administrative side. Do you see that is necessary as well? What is your opinion on that? Well, I think it's exciting and there's definitely opportunities. So some of my learnings throughout the years when it comes to the electronic medical record is from the build perspective. And for IT individuals, if I use the terminology wrong, please forgive me. My background is clinician operations, more in terms of the business, but having data I think it's the word discrete and how it is entered into the system so you can pull it effectively and put it into some type of database to extract it and then analyze it. I, I feel like that could be more of the challenge now. And when I think about when we did our build with the large healthcare system and then working with a smaller organization where we were looking at making some of those transitions, those are the conversations we had where I didn't know 
the end product and other aspects of our business that we would want at the end of this build. So we tended to just focus more on the front end piece. Then mm -hmm. further along, as we progress, you want to become more efficient, more productive, make better decisions in terms of patients and healthcare. Then you think about the front end and how it's built, that it's not meeting the back end to get the information that you need to make good decisions, which I'm sure that's what you're hearing. And like I mentioned, in terms of communication, we thought this meant this, but then you go to a different part of the country, like, no, that means this, and this is why we built for it. So there's a lot of opportunities and being on the same page in terms of languaging and how we view things and or practices too. There's just so many variables in healthcare. Hmm. Interesting. So, so did you adapt the product, the EMR to different locations? For example, that different locations operate differently. So you needed to adapt uh, the product according to um, their needs. Yeah, for the larger healthcare system, and I, I think that's the same with other systems, at some point in time, you can only adapt so far and customize that you have to standardize and to have one-off different types of technology. It's not efficient or effective for the IT division. And when it comes to the pieces that need to be pulled together for effective integration, there were opportunities. I don't know where things are in terms of interoperability, but there's definitely opportunities when you're dealing with all these different type of systems, especially when it comes to specialty uh, niches, that how can you get information more effectively if you like have a primary care physician practice that's not under a healthcare system and get that information efficiently to a home health agency that's providing care for a patient that was recently in a hospital and get accurate information. Because I've certainly experienced that where patients are saying, I keep repeating myself. Don't you have that information? And I still think that's still going on is that every clinician that goes to see the patient, you're asking the same questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah. 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 On, the, on the user end, even when we're patients, it's still very frustrating for us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it happens that companies invest a lot in technology, but the technology becomes useless because clinicians don't use it, whether they don't have time or the, the user experience is bad and so on. So what do you think technology solutions should have to be accepted and used by clinicians? We need more clinicians that go on the IT side. And I think there has been an evolution of that happening. And it's probably not happening fast enough. And I've known like nurses who would decide that they're a better fit from the IT end. And then they get more engaged mm -hmm. from that to even physicians where you're even seeing like physicians getting their MBAs so they can be running the healthcare organization. So I think there's those opportunities. And how do we make it easier for those clinicians to cross over and know that there's opportunities to use their expertise when it comes to the IT bill? I don't know necessarily, believe it's true that all clinicians are not using the technology. I, I felt that when it was the younger clinicians who used computers, most of their educational life, that transition really wasn't a big deal for them. And when it was individuals who didn't necessarily use that technology, most of their educational life or career, the transition was more bumpy. 
for them. However, what I had noticed was in some respects, and it might be just lack of experience as a clinician, the critical thinking was um, opportunities for development where I would see clinicians wanting to use canned phrases in their documentation versus uh, really seeing what they're seeing with the patient and documenting it effectively within the EMR because we wanted to be efficient. So we thought having canned phrases would be helpful, but that doesn't necessarily help us when it comes to meeting the needs of our patients. Mm-hmm. Right. Could you please tell us the process of how you build the this EMR and what was like the process to build it in terms of involving different clinicians? And maybe you can share some lessons learned from this experience. What healthcare organization should consider if they want to build the custom uh, solutions for their needs. How do you see the efficient process for this approach? Again, there were many players and I wasn't the key point person at pulling that Mm -hmm. together. But when it comes to my areas of responsibility and knowing what I know today, there's definitely already out of the box products out there that have strong understanding of the regulatory needs that Mm -hmm. most of us um, have to address as clinicians. So I certainly would go that route because Mm -hmm. implementation is a lot faster. And when you implement major changes like this, productivity declines. And I know organizationally, that's a concern of how that affects revenue generation. And so I would highly recommend considering that to the extent that Mm -hmm. you potentially could create some hybrid custom builds based on where you are nationally. I think uh, our reimbursement system, Medicare, Medicaid, continues to keep being a driving force to help increase standardization. And organizations are slowly or have made those changes. So there's definitely been a better evolution of what things look like from a technology perspective than when we started over 15 years ago. Because even getting information about regulations from a Medicare, Medicaid perspective, finding it and having access to that information wasn't that easy either. Because I remember mm-hmm. reading the Federal Register. I remember talking to a past executive. I was like, do you remember getting the documents and reading these little, <laughs> these forms? But now you could just find that information online. So. It goes both ways. Where do you have access to information to be effective as a clinician or executive? And then having more people that have that knowledge base to help you be successful. Right. And what technology trends in healthcare do you see in the next three, five years? I feel like the pandemic has had a significant play of what's moved forward quickly and what may have been on a wish list for healthcare leaders in some respects. So talking about telehealth mm-hmm. and looking at that, I I can say a wish list from healthcare leaders from my perspective is internet access everywhere mm. for everyone, no matter where you are social economically. And to the extent that you're able to have that and then have the devices that you can use to interact with your healthcare provider or clinician, I think that would be my wish list versus saying this is mm-hmm. what's going to happen. There are only certain individuals that have access to this. I mean, you and I are blessed that we have this technology that we can talk across the world. 
but that's not necessarily so when it comes to the individuals who need or are using healthcare the most that have rural chronic areas, for example. Yes. Yep. Rural areas, or, or it could be in the city. It's like internet's accessible, but they don't have the devices. They can't afford the devices and they mm -hmm. may not have the transportation or if, even if there is transportation, they don't have the physical capabilities to go from where they are, where they're living to the healthcare provider. So there's just so many dynamics, especially with people living longer, um, having disabilities, there's a lot of pieces to take in consideration. So my wish list is accessibility for mobile devices for individuals and that internet access, no matter where you are. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. It's uh, useless to build products if not all, all of the people can use them. I mean, the telemedicine apps and so on. Right, right. Yeah, great. Could you please share with us what... Uh, is the main focus in your work right now? Like, what are your main goals? Maybe some problems that you're experiencing and you're trying to overcome? Yeah. Well, I'm currently not working directly for a healthcare organization. My main focus is on my professional coaching business and working with leaders, working with individuals in the healthcare profession when it comes to how you can be more effective as a leader. And business owners, as well as people who are making transitions with their careers. And with that, under my business, I also have a private occupational therapy practice where I've been working with a home health agency. So mm -hmm. from a technology perspective, what I find, which is fascinating for individual practitioner like myself, and as a coach, my ability to find products that are out there that are mobile base and schedule a patient and then communicate to them when I'm going to see them. And so that implementation probably only took a few weeks from a large healthcare system to get everybody in agreement on what you're going to use and how do you make it work. That takes a lot longer. So really right now, my focus is meeting the needs of individuals on a one-to-one -one basis what, that mm -hmm. I'm working with from a healthcare perspective. And then working with professionals who want to make the world a better place as leaders within anywhere, within a nation or any business industry. Not necessarily healthcare, right? Not necessarily, not at all. As a coach or even as a leader, there's, I think we all have these core principles that we like to follow and, and what we want to do and making a difference. Obviously there's that margin, but then there's other things that we need to take in consideration as leaders and the noble cause of why we chose to do what we do as leaders in healthcare or any industry. Absolutely. And what I've learned even just working in the acute psychiatry business is that you can compartmentalize your life as much as possible, but I think the pandemic has shown in reality that life cannot necessarily be compartmentalized, especially if you have kids who can't go to school and you got to teach them now or help with their educational process. Plus you still got to work. And then if you have older family members who are not staying in the hospital longer, or maybe not going to long-term care as long as they used to, then you're helping take care of them at home as well. So there's just so many dynamics in a person's life that they need to organize. And the pandemic has just made it 
I, I would say, feel like it's more tenfold. And that's some of the things that I talk to with um, some clients as well is just how do they maintain their sanity, focus on their work and create the balance that they need in their lives on a day-to-day basis and also continue to have hope as we continue to work through this pandemic. Yeah, balance is definitely what we all need right now. Yeah, and I don't even know if there's a such thing as balance. It's just knowing what your priorities are at the moment and then Mm -hmm. what you do as a human being to center yourself, to be at peace within yourself in order to focus on what's important at this point in time, which it varies. And what you thought was important five years ago, it's going to be different five years in the future. And being aware of that and knowing how to adjust with those changes that you're experiencing within your life. Yeah, of course. With the pandemic, I think that now work and life tied together more than it was before when you went to the office and you get home and now you're in home, you can uh, spend time with your family. Now it's everything combined. So that is why you need to think about priorities and balance. Yes. The pandemic, I think, has caused a shift in many things in our, in our lives, business, personal, or even just, I think for most people, even just what you thought was a priority in the past is probably not a priority anymore. Yeah. What kind of advice can you give to people who build their startups for healthcare, who build products for healthcare? What kind of advice can you give them what they need to consider if they want to build a product or they want to sell a product to the healthcare organization or maybe to the big healthcare organization? Yeah, good question. Especially if you're in the beginning and one of the strategy tools that I had came across was Lean Canvas Modeling. And Mm -hmm. if I can remember Ash's last name, he had wrote a really good book. I want to say it's Mara. He wrote a book on Lean Canvas Modeling and the steps that you needed to take. And he also has something on the web that you can play around with that. But it's one thing to have your own idea, but then you need to reach out to individuals who you think would use your product because what you think it may not be what you expect. You just, you need to talk to your stakeholders and build according to the stakeholders and you may end up having to pivot what your original intent is. So I would highly recommend that approach and be open to tweaking and pivoting as a leader or developer because things are going to change. People's views of how things look are are going to change. I would highly recommend that approach. Thank you. I I think that uh, we covered a lot during this interview and we are coming to the end. And I want to finish with the light exercise called rapid fire round. I I will ask you several questions and uh, you will give answers whatever you want. What is your hobby? My hobby right now, well, it's getting colder, but golf, it, it has been my hobby. So so yeah, learning to get that perfect swing and and then not let my head get in the way with uh, my game. So yeah. Do you use it to build your network? No, actually. Because I know there is a tool that is used to build a network. <laughs> I don't know if I even thought of it that way. At first, I never really liked golf years ago when I took lessons. But I really got into it. There's a lot of life lessons because I've also been volunteering with First Tee and working with kids and teaching them golf as mm. well. And there's definitely a lot of life lessons you can learn from golf. 
And it's amazing when you have a really good swing, and I'm not saying I have a really good swing, but you think you got it, but conditions change and you got to adjust to those conditions. And literally, if your head's in the way, it gets in the way of you being effective in golf. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I think I learn a lot of lessons in life when it comes to golf. One, if you had a bad hole previously, let it go, move on, just focus on the now and focus on this hole that you're on right now. And isn't that in life? If you fail in something in life or even Mm -hmm. in your business, you can't keep dwelling on it or you're not going to be able to move forward, right? It's the same thing in life and the golf. So I, I like the combination of the mind and I wouldn't say necessarily the physical aspect, but the older I am, definitely the physical aspects of golf and getting out in nature. Yeah. And what is the location that impressed you the most? The location. I haven't traveled as much as I like, but I have traveled. I've mentioned rock climbing. So mm-hmm. I, I would say that was pretty impressive, especially as a young person driving across the United States, going through flat land, and then all of a sudden you're driving into Colorado and then you see these massive mountains that you've never seen before. I would think that was for me at that point in time was the most impressive experience that I've ever had on top of just the opportunities to climb with some friends and see things that I've never seen before just growing up in Ohio. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what is uh, the one piece of advice you would give to your 20 year old self? Yeah, that's a good question. So I grew up with individuals who didn't look like me. There's not very many Filipinos where I grew up in mm-hmm. a small rural area in Ohio. And with that, I think I took the safe route in some things. And mm-hmm. I would have told my 20-year-old self, embrace your uniqueness and who you are. And don't be afraid to take risks and follow your heart when it comes to living the life that you want to live versus the life that others say you should live or you think that they say that you should live. So I would have told my 20-year-old self that. Now I've told my nephews that and they've just done some incredible things. And even my younger sister who's 16 years younger than myself. So it's been fun to watch people younger than me really embrace who they are and live the life that is true to them and what their heart tells them to do. Yes. Nowadays, world is um, changing so fast that not necessarily adults understand what to do better than children. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Where have you heard the term out of the mouths of babes? And then if you hear someone who's younger and you're like, where did they get that? Because some of the from the youngest kids, you can hear the most profound things that we we forget as we get older and need to get back to sometimes. Yeah, I think that's the perfect way to end today's interview. Thank you, Vanessa, for your time and Thank you, that you shared, shared your experience of building the custom um, solutions for large healthcare organization, as well as your thoughts about how it is better to build a solution in nowadays environment that is better to choose maybe or to consider of the shelf solution first and then customize it if needed. So yeah, thank you for your experience. Thank you for 
uh, sharing your story. Before we finish, what is the best way to get in touch with you if people, for example, would be interested in your coaching services? Oh, yeah. Thank you. The best way to get in touch with me, you could go to my website or you can email me. So the company is Zeblismapo. It's Z-E-B-L-I-S-M-A-P-O. And it's a combination of four words, zest, bliss, magic, and power, where basically I just focus on working with individuals to have more zest in their life, to really get more alignment with their values of who they truly are. And mm -hmm. magic is when you're in aligned with your values, then basically things just fall into place. Synchronicity happens because you're doing what you're doing based on your heart and following your heart. And empower is just embracing the uniqueness of who you are and bringing those gifts into the world. So Z-B-L-I-S-M-A-P-O at www.ziblismapo.com or Vanessa at ziblismapo.com. And you guys have a happy holidays and thank you for your time, Ivan. Yeah, thank you. I, I will include all the links in the resources section and happy holidays. Mm -hmm.